Vincent the Dude. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon from Freight Alley, my friends. Ian, taking a nosedive into the West Coast of, yeah, West Coast of Florida, man. Yeah, right now, we were just we're watching some cameras on air. We'll be talking to Rachel Premack in just a few minutes about all this. But uh, before we can even get to the hurricane, man, I couldn't focus on any of this this morning because I was woken up by my kid. It's almost his birthday. He's Uh-oh. just about to turn eight. Happy birthday, oh, son. Happy birthday. But he's screaming because he was over at his friend's house yesterday, and he got a brand new Pokemon card from his friend. Yeah. Yeah. And he was cherishing it. He was showing off to everybody. And he woke up this morning screaming. And this little culprit right here shows that Randy Savage oh, is over here. Randy. I mean, the Slytherin sweater should have been a dead giveaway. He was up to something. But look what he did to his Pokemon card, man. Bit right through mm. it. Look at those. Mm. Look at mm. those right there. Got to mm. take him to uh, Infinity mm. Flux to get him. That's in- going to devalue that card a little bit, isn't it? It is going to develop. <laughs> where, where does the time go? Eight. Who even knows, man? Eight Speaking years. of time what? flying by, F3, 33 days away. F3? 33 days away before you come to Chattanooga and hang out with all of us. You excited? Uh, Live.freightwaves.com, right? I'm excited for everybody to come. Yes, that's exactly right. Go there, get your tickets now, man. And like you said before, book an extra day. Because the place is cool. You know what? And you're going to have the extra money to do it because I'm going to give you a promo code. Oh. You know what my code is? On this show, we got the best promo code in the entire building. WTT, $14.95 a ticket. That's the best one there, man. Until October That's 3rd. Half. You got five days left. That's half. That's half. It's $29.95 right now. $14.95. Do I hook you up there or what? You then you get to hang out here. We'll throw, are we throwing axes? Do you got axes at this event? They do. I heard access. Rachel Premack is like one of the most devastating axe throwers in New York yeah, but City. She throws like the double hand, the big, the big ones. You know, she does. Yeah, ones. she uh, yeah. and she puts on a fake beard. She looks like Justin Super Trucker. She yeah, fake yeah. beard and she's yeah, yeah. flinging yeah. axes like yeah. crazy. Her real talent when they stand on the log and hack through it, she does that in like twenty seconds. Oh, so. she can do log running too. We got all this stuff yeah, to get yeah, yeah, with yeah. her. And when we have her on, we're going to talk about the hurricane with her. We're talking about Waffle House Index. We're going to even talk about why you might even be seeing Christmas trees out there. All these people on Twitter posting pictures of. Christmas trees and junk might have something to do with all the inventory going on. Mm. We got uh, our back to truck up team trucker veteran drivers on here. Rooster super trucker. They're going to give you hurricane survival tips for truckers. They got 30 okay. years of experience. They're going to tell you what you need to know. You're out there on the road. And then we got stupid news and stuff with them. Um, failing economy, right? Remember the great resignation? Remember when we had some leverage over here, us employees? Oh, yeah. yeah the man didn't like that. The man came and pounded you back down. Now there's no more great resignation. Now people are just like, I hope I have a job tomorrow. We're going to find out from Angela Mancuso, Mm. Executive Mm. Vice President, Mm. Global Human Resources at AIT Worldwide Logistics. If us in logistics should be scared, are we getting hit hard here? I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. Plus, Freight Tech Spotlight, Cold Chain Visibility with Times, Krenner, Komani. Hell of a lot more. So let's get to it. But first, we got to tip the band. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is The fastest growing freight forwarder out there, or one of them at least, they grew by 400% over the past five years, earning a spot on Crane's Chicago Business Fast 50 list. But how do they do it? By earning their customers' trust with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions. Find out how your business can benefit when you visit. Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. It's editorial director at Freightways, Rachel Premack, the best-dressed person on the show today. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. How are you guys? 
I like the shirt. I like the shirt. Are you uh, are you battening down the hatches? I mean, I know like like when I used to live in Boston and I actually used to live in Staten Island for a while too. And the first hurricane I remember is Hurricane Gloria. And I know in like the Northeast they make such a big deal about these hurricanes coming. And I remember we like put wood up and we got batteries and all these different things. And then like nothing happened. A tree branch fell down. Are you getting prepped up there in New York already? No one is prepping, or at least no one's talking about prepping. Um, for me, the natural disaster that I think about is tornadoes because I'm from Michigan. Um, and those were always a bit scary, but hurricanes, I don't know. I think if I ever experience a hurricane, I'm going back to the Midwest. Like I'm not equipped for that. I no, I'm good with really cold winters, but I'm not dealing with a hurricane. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, The nor'easters are bad enough over in, uh, in New England. I'm pretty happy to be out of those. They're they're not, my, my my son is in Naples. I called him at about nine 30, 10 o'clock this morning, between nine 30 and 10 o'clock. I've been calling, 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 see if he's okay. Cause he's in Naples where it's coming to shore, like, like over an hour, you know, let's go to the show. The bridge cam right here. Let's see what the, going on on the bridge. Tanya, you got that live feed. There it is. The Naples pier. All right, this is the pier right here. And we were looking at this, Rachel, around like 10 o'clock today, about two hours ago. And there were people that were still on that pier. They were on the end of that pier. Now, if they were still there, they'd obviously be living with the narwhals washed yeah. out to Greenland. But no. fortunately, they, uh, they're they gone. Yeah, them, no, I've been on that pier hundreds and hundreds of times. You have? have that, you? those, yeah, I live down there. Those, those huts that you see at the end there, that's halfway out that pier. Those huts that you see the top of every once in a while. And that bottom of that pier is usually about 20 to 25 feet above the water. Well, that water's going over it right now. Well, Rachel, if you want to gauge the severity, Katie Kokel, she put out this tweet and she said, the six horsemen of impending hurricane in order severity is Publix begins selling hurricane cakes. Midwest earned family starts checking in. Disney closes. Edgar asks you to check out plywood supply at Home Depot. Jim Cantor arrives and Waffle House closes. All of these things are happening. Show what's going on at Publix. Right here. Look at these cakes. There you go. There you go. We got cakes. I didn't know this was a thing. The hurricane cakes. It's kind of cute. Oh, yeah. Well, they got to say go away on them. It's it's like a voodoo thing. Go away. Eat a cake. (laughs) That's funny. when I, yeah, I had to look that up too. And it said like public sells hurricane cakes. I, I didn't know if it was like urinal cake or what. I was like, they like an actual cake. And apparently, it is an actual cake. That's what it. That's what it was. And well, the other thing they mentioned too was the Waffle House Index. What is that for those of you who don't know, haven't turned on a TV channel today? Uh, the Waffle House Index is an informal measure of a storm severity and its effect on a stricken community. It comes from Waffle House's reputation for being well prepared for disasters and remaining open during disastrous weather. The term term was coined by FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate about, uh, what, 11 years ago, Michael Vincent, after, the, after a uh, 2011 Joplin tornado. Interesting stuff. Well, got some more bad news for you. Look what's closed, Rachel. It's the Waffle House. I know. I know. This is, it's it's the final sign that you've got to get out of there if you're still there. But I only cool? learned about the Waffle House Index, like, in the last week or so. I feel like I... I don't know. I think I'm the Midwestern family checking in because I definitely have checked in on like friends who live in Florida. I'm like, hey, are you okay? Um, but yeah, now that the Waffle House is closing, that is that is worrisome, I would say. And Tampa is not really. It, it, I I read that this is the biggest hurricane that will come to Tampa in a hundred years. So it's not really an area that gets super strong hurricanes. So this Category well, Four coming in later today or tomorrow, that's definitely. Well, I check this worried. out. I, check this out, Rachel. You want to throw up the yeah, throw up this this map right here. So, this hurricane at eleven fifteen this morning, the eye wall started coming ashore uh, down by Punta Gorda. 
that's where this is coming mm-hmm. well south of of Tampa. It took a hard right turn. Uh, and it's coming on shore right now at a category, probably a five. It was only two miles an hour less than 150, 157 is a category five. It's at 155, 190 mile an hour winds, 12 to 16 foot wind surge coming right up that bay there into Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, just like Charlie did back in 2004, August of 2004 is when Charlie. And it's not just the hurricane itself. I mean, last night it was causing tornadoes to happen. One of which in Hollywood, take, take a look at what it did to this airport here. And all these private planes, I don't mean to make Craig Fuller cry, but look at all these things knocked on top of each other. Although he did say, because I was like, that must be really expensive. And he's like, in terms of planes, those are more like 50,000 or 100,000 ones. So I guess for plane people, that's not that uh, expensive. I would be devastated if that was my plane. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I too would be devastated. I'd be a little upset. Uh, <laughs> I would be a little so upset. What we, what... really... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so what are we going to watch for in this storm? We already know that there's uh, there's going to be disruptions. Freight's going to be disrupted. What do you have your eye on right now, and what's Freightways going to be putting out there? Yeah, so Eric Kulish, our air cargo and trade uh, reporter, he put out a really great story this morning, really just breaking down everything that uh, Hurricane Ian could affect in terms of supply chain. So uh, there is a major e-commerce fulfillment center hub in that uh, Tampa to Orlando uh, kind of corridor, uh, tons of warehouses, tons of fulfillment centers there. Also, just in uh, southwest Florida, you've got tons of healthcare and aerospace and chemical and uh, plastics, lots of manufacturing facilities and warehouses and, and hubs there as well. Uh, and then there's also citrus. I mean, thinking about uh, southeast Florida producing 70% of the U.S. crop. Uh, that's a major that's a major impact. And then going forward, thinking about tornadoes, tornadoes that could come from this and other sorts of uh, major impacts that could hit the southeast and, uh, you know, ports of Charleston, ports of Savannah, the rail system, looking even at like cotton crops in this in this area of the U.S. Uh, according to the expert that Eric interviewed, it could be nine weeks until we are back to the pre-Ian sort of volumes and production. So this is definitely something that could really shake supply chains at a time where supply chains don't really need to be shaken anymore and, you know, rattled with anymore. Although, although in terms of trucking, uh, is there any silver lining here in terms of rates, right? I mean, this is going to soak up capacity. A lot of trucks. Vincent, what do you think? Any impact or we don't know because the storm hasn't really done its It hasn't done its damage yet, but it will definitely suck capacity. You don't see it quite yet because a lot of that is done off the, you know, it's not hitting spot. It's not under their contracts, but it's not in the normal contract sense, right? That that is going there. So it will suck definitely capacity out of there. It'll produce higher, it'll produce higher rates in certain areas that certainly rates going into Florida would be very difficult. The problem with trucking is that once they get down there. There's nothing coming back out. I mean, there's yeah. only a couple couple of markets that they come out. When it comes up the Gulf, like Louisiana, you got things on the other side of, of each one, right? Uh, that that trucks can pick up and, and move and stuff. There's just there's nothing going to be coming out of there. Nice at all. Well, so. we'll have more hurricane coverage coming up. But another story I wanted to touch on was inventory. I know you've covered it in modes and we've talked about it extensively on freightways, but now people are seeing like the real world signs of it. It's not even Halloween yet. People going into stores and they are seeing all these different Christmas displays like this one that Alex Miller posted with, uh, that's a really, that seems really expensive for a fake tree to me too. It's $1,150 for that fake tree. I don't know. We got inflation and too much inventory going on here. Rachel, what's going on? What are we looking at? 
So I think that's Costco just based off of the sign. Yeah, just generally <laughs> uh, a lot of retailers. So it, the, the, the conversation is kind of changing and shaping a little bit as we learn about what's happening on the consumer side. And what appears to happen is that a lot of retailers were really scared and maybe a bit, uh, you know, scarred from last year. So they tried to order all of their seasonal inventory months before it was really needed. So that's why, you know, maybe in typical year that Christmas tree would just be arriving to the ports, would maybe just be getting trucked to its uh, distribution facility. Nowadays, because that inventory may have come months ago, that could explain why it's already being put on the store floors. Um I do think September is a little early for Christmas trees, for indoor Christmas trees, but um, I, I'm not Costco, so. But here's well, Rachel. Here's the other that's side that's of that. Here's the other side of that coin, though. A lot of these things were bought at highly inflated yes. rates. Oh, yes. in 2021, like these, some of these trees may have been ordered in July, June, August of 2021 for the holiday peak season, and because of what was going on in supply chain last year, they didn't get here until January or February, so not only did you have to pay those huge invoice values, they're paying tons of warehousing costs on this junk, too. What does that mean? Now you walk into Costco, they want to hawk you a Christmas tree, but they're going to keep the hot dog $1.50. That's nice. Well, there, there, there you go. They're just going to raise the price of everything Sometimes else. I just go there for lunch. Yeah. You know? Rachel, rail strike happening or not? Workers say that uh, they're not happy with what they're talking about. I would say if I were a betting woman, I would say uh, it's not it's not looking good just because there's so there, there's so much bad blood. There's so much consternation and frustration on the side of rail workers that have been building up for years and years. Um, it's they they just don't really feel like or the, at least the workers that I've spoken to, they feel like this contract doesn't really do enough. And their big issue wasn't so much pay. And the contract is amazing for pay. I think it offers the highest uh, salary bump in four decades or even five decades. But the issue isn't pay. The issue is work-life balance and being able to go home. You know, workers who I've spoken to say they spend three, three or four nights a week actually at their house and even when they're there, you know, you're kind of on edge. You don't know if you're going to get that call. You don't know if you're going to be able to get into work. Um, and that's an issue that's really gotten worse and worse over the past few years with uh, railroads continuing to uh, decrease how much staff they have. So really looking at um, improving scheduling and quality of life is the big issue for workers right now. And that the contract that we're that we're seeing out there just doesn't really um, address that. Yeah, I mean, when I when those stories came out about the strike being averted, like every rail worker I know, rail workers I don't know online were like, it's not. And I'm like, averted just means it's not happening right now. Like, it just means it's being pushed to a later yeah. date. It doesn't yeah. mean yeah. that, like, it was completely... But, like, people took that word to mean that, oh, it's completely resolved. I think on both sides, which it, it doesn't at all, people. There's still yeah, no, a huge... Yeah, it absolutely does not. Risk of this here. Anything. There's also a risk of sending Rachel to the wheel of stupid questions. So spin it. Oh, my gosh, let's do it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Let's see what she'll get wrong this week. Ooh, here it is. I gotta say, with that rail worker, rail strike averted story, the first publication to write something that said it's not... It could still happen was our very own Freight Waves modes. Yay. Just putting that out there. 
Ooh, ooh, there you go. <laughs> that's that's not the correct answer to the question, though. Let that's me only because her newsletter comes out like an hour before mine does. Like I was, I, I was talking about the same thing in there. Right that there. morning, I was saying there's not about anyways. All right, what's the wheel? I say? predicted it before. Anyways, uh, okay. So here's a question: What would break your heart if your puppy chewed it up? Ooh, I don't have a puppy. Um, let's see. What would break my heart? Uh, my phone would be a bad one because it's expensive, and I feel like you know the small parts of the phone could injure the puppy, my non-existent puppy. Um, I know, but that's a really boring answer. Yeah, but you're just not a very sentimental. I think person, I'm just right? gonna have to say my phone. What'd you say? You're just not a very sentimental person. Like you don't put a lot of value in like objects, <laughs> things that people thought nicely to give you, that kind of stuff. That what the truck shirt. I'm just looking around my room thinking, like, what would break my heart if I, I mean, like, I have, like, some nice, like, paintings and photos that I like, but I don't know why a puppy would chew. All right, well, Rachel. You guys are, what's going on? (laughs) We'll just just let you think that one through. Yeah, you know, worry about that non-existential dread about the puppy you don't own (laughs) eating things you don't care about. Thanks for your- Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I got another. Maybe next week I'll get one right. Okay. Well, maybe. It's a, Take a, care, Rachel. Definitely, probably not. <laughs> Take care. Subscribe to Modes, read FreightWaves.com, and do all that kind of stuff. We'll see her next week. All right. Supply chain effects from Hurricane Ian. They could linger for weeks, as we talked about yes. with uh, Rachel good. right there. Eric Coolish, she also warns uh, similarly about that. The risk to manufacturing, agriculture, distribution centers. They're predicting severe disruption of supply chains for flooding, power outages, and wind damage that could stall factory and farm production, as well as freight movement through major ports, air, airports, highways, and railroads. Um, meanwhile, there's a typhoon, Noru, is similarly upsetting supply chains in Southeast Asia as it barrels across South China Sea towards Vietnam. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, there's all kinds of weather that's all over the place that's screwing things up, right? Unbelievable. All right. Freight raids. Uh, so the storm railroad- could impact up to 2,800 manufacturing forms in aerospace, automotive components, heavy machinery, chemicals, and plastics, as well as about 7,000 healthcare producers and pharmaceuticals. Michael Vincent, have you found yourself on the, uh, the sheet here? You want- yeah, I have. It's going to take an average of nine weeks for businesses to recover from the uh, from free run lanes and all that stuff, get networks back online. However, let's get to some of the good here, right? Wait, what else is shutting down? Let's freight railroads have revised their schedules. They're just monitoring conditions. So we got rail still online. Uh, Air Cargo, Tampa International Airport shut down at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. Orlando International Airport is shutting down at 10.30 a.m. on Wednesday. That already happened. Um, Delta Airlines said no cargo can be picked up or delivered Tuesday until after midnight at many airports in Florida, including Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, and Orlando. The service stoppage is likely to change Wednesday as the storm's path becomes more clear. Yeah, it's cutting across the state and then come back out and then back into uh, North Georgia or South Georgia. Yeah. Well, here's some good. In bad situations, the good comes out and volunteer network of truckers and nonprofit partners to deliver relief disaster supplies. Clarissa Haas put this up on FreightWaves.com if you want to check out the full article. But a nonprofit group is partnering with a volunteer-run disaster relief organization to collect and eventually deliver critical supplies as Hurricane Ian intensifies into a Category 4 system and is expected to pound Florida's south coast throughout today into the night and potentially into tomorrow, too, when they start hoping to get some of that cleanup done. 
Well, Shelly Conway Wah, she's of Lexington, Kentucky. She's a 30-year trucking veteran. She runs this nonprofit group called Trucks with Room to Spare. And what they do is they work with relief organizations, including CN Supply, along with their network of truckers and donors to pick up critical disaster relief supplies, which her group will bring to the hardest hit areas over in Florida. Yeah, it's an excellent thing that she's doing there. They coordinate with drivers who want to volunteer and they have like some extra space at the end of their trailers to pick up a few pallets of supplies uh, and head to the areas that, uh, you know, the trucking companies and donate the driver equipment to get it down there. What are the donation support? So the donations made to trucks with a room to spare website will support fuel and other costs incurred by truck drivers who volunteer their time and rigs. But they're taking all these health care supplies and stuff down there for the people who are affected. Here's one thing they said, though. They said no more clothes. She said her her one request is no clothing donations. And I didn't realize this either. I always thought clothes would be one of the high demand things, but it turns out it's not. She says there's organizations that bring in tractor trailer loads full of clothes. There's already covered. There's plenty of clothes, people. And that always seemed to be the one thing that nobody actually needs, she said. But cleaning supplies, tents, outdoor cook stoves, shovels, tarps, trash bags, those things are always needed, especially for like volunteers. If you think about it with the shovels, you got all these volunteers coming from different areas. They may not have all their own stuff with them. Yeah, exactly. And the stuff was all bought up as well because the supplies that had come through there and tarps. My God. I mean, it's going right through that area that was just Tarp City for years afterwards and of could course. be again. What about the alligators? Meanwhile, hopefully the storm doesn't die. Throw this big boy around. Weather looks nice where he is, though. I don't see any uh, hurricane-type storms. Did you see that movie Crawl? I have not seen So it. in this movie Holy Crawl man. that came out a couple years ago, there's this big flood that happens due to the hurricane. Yeah. And these giant alligators get loose, and they yeah. just start, like, eating all these different people. Unbelievable. That's a big dude. That's like, what, 12, 14 foot? Yeah. What would you rather encounter? Like, would you rather be walking down that path and that guy's there? Or would you rather be surfing and you see a tiger shark? Oh, wow. Walking down the path and seeing that guy. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, they can't zigzag, for yeah. one. And I think I've seen enough Florida man wrestling them that I think that I'd have a chance of getting this guy. Surfing, I don't know where that guy's coming from, right? Yeah, that's true. He's but- fast in this environment. I can't swim as fast. This guy here, I could jump over and maybe get on his back and hold his mouth shut. I don't know. I think I got a better chance with that guy. Yeah, but, like, if you watch the same disturbing videos I watch on YouTube, like, the death roll that these crocodiles and yeah, alligators can do, know, but like, a, a tiger shark might just bite your leg off, but it'll probably swim away after. Uh, that, no, okay, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's that's true. Because a four foot gator can haul a, a, a grown man into the water. We don't want to scare people. This isn't a legitimate problem, though, is it? There's not like going to be alligators. Well, there could be, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, they get disturbed and they'll get roused up. Sure, they will. Okay, absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, frighten yeah. myself. Let's go over to Angela Mancuso. She's executive vice president, global human resources at AIT Worldwide Logistics. And I think the last time we talked to her, there was this term that was really in vogue. It's called the Great Resignation, mm, and now it right. feels really I dated. I remember it. <laughs> All of a sudden. Angela, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you again. This is a really good time to connect because last time we talked, and it was kind of an employee's market, right? And it was like big, great resignation, and everyone's hiring, and these big bonuses. And if you opened up LinkedIn, everybody had a new job, um, and you might get a little envious. But now, we're all sitting around like... I, I hope I don't get uh, called into any weird meetings, right? Yeah. <laughs> is logistics getting hit the same as the regular employment market? What does the labor market and logistics look like right now? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, no, you know, we still have, I think, plenty of job openings and not enough job seekers. Uh, it's, that's at least what we continue to see in our organization, I think, across the industry. Um, applications are still down, you know, with, with just candidates not applying to positions, we see it with passive talent, which is essentially right, someone that has 
has a position, they're not actively looking and a recruiter's reaching out to them. That engagement that we're used to seeing with passive talent just isn't there. Um, and a lot of recruiters are getting ghosted, which has nothing to do with Halloween. Just candidates get cold feet and don't show up for interviews or at the final stage of the interview process, just decide they're going to stay put where they're at. Wow. So wh- why do you think that is? Why, why are people just staying where they are if there's plenty of opportunity out there? Yeah. You know, I think in, in my experiences, when there's any kind of issues from an economic climate perspective, um, if you look at what's kind of happening out there, right, we have the highest inflation we've seen in four decades. Interest rates are rising. And anytime there's there's any hint of a recession, typically employees usually try to stay put and are a little bit more cautious. And I think we're seeing that in some of the stats that you see out there. In the last two months, at least, there's been a, a pretty steady decline in the number of workers that are voluntarily quitting and seeking new employment. Uh, you know, Angela, one thing I get a lot on LinkedIn is like unsolicited emails. And it's like, hey, come work for us. A lot of times they really are not that relevant to my skill set or anything. And I usually ignore them and they usually just stay blue. I never even click on that button. But people who are looking, I yeah. imagine last year, people were, were in- interested in reading that. How are emails and stuff like that? How are those sort of outreach to employees doing? Those cold outreaches? Yeah. Yeah, good question. You know, I think every person out there is probably being inundated, just like you said, with all of these messages from recruiters. So, you know, what we try to do is actually involve our hiring managers a little bit more because you just you just get overwhelmed with a number of recruiters reaching out to you. Um, so we try to engage our hiring managers in that process. At the end of the day, it's it's their job they're trying to fill. So um, if you're really looking for talent, you know, involve your hiring managers, have them send a message to somebody that's uh, potentially out in the market. You know, hearing from a manager, a director, or even a vice president uh, definitely gets noticed versus the 20th recruiter that you get an in-mail from for the week. It certainly does. So, Angela, what kind of trends should uh, people who are, are should businesses be looking for? The macro trends that are happening in this in this hiring market. You know, they may be all set right now, but there's trends they could get in trouble uh, in the future, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're already experiencing a little bit a little bit of that, especially with you know the older population continues to grow, and that's that's really happening right across the world where we see that skilled workforce, especially in our industry and logistics, those individuals that have that subject matter expertise are starting to retire. Um, We're seeing that in our business and I think across the industry. So from an employment perspective, right, how do you bring in that new talent? And if we're all going after the same types of people that have the expertise and have the skills and competencies at some point, right, we're, we're already seeing it that the job seekers just aren't there. So we're going to have to start to get creative and really look for people that probably aren't in the industry and provide that type of training to make them successful. Do you think that freight going sort of mainstream over the past few years and becoming a headline topic has made people going into college, or people like young people entering the workforce more interested in seeking jobs in logistics or have you seen no impact? Yeah, I mean, I I think you see more conversations and more programs out there where supply chain and logistics is becoming more popular. But to your point, it, you know, historically has not been seen as an attractive industry. So I think it's, it's our job as employers, right, to start to really create those partnerships with high schools and community colleges and four year universities to really spotlight 
what types of careers you can have in the industry. Um, there's there's so many offerings out there. How do we really showcase um, what that looks like? And then I think from an employment perspective, right, in our industry, we have to be able to hire people outside of the industry, hire for attitude, train on aptitude, provide those robust formal training programs uh, to get people in the door um, that, you know, that really align with your culture and your core values and train them on what they need to know. So, Angela, how important is the focus on retaining talent now? I mean, it's always been important and less costly to keep somebody than to hire a new one. Uh, is that just exponentially more important now? Yeah, I think I think we talked about this last time I was on the show, and I, I think I say the same thing all the time. It's it's culture. It's your values. It's, you know, what are you doing to be a good corporate citizen? And I think all of us, if you if you struggle with having a strong employer brand, um, you're going to struggle attracting talent. You're going to struggle right retaining your current talent. So, you know, my advice to everyone out there is focus on that first, and that really starts with your current staff. Are they satisfied? Are they engaged? Are you providing competitive benefit offerings? Are you getting compensation right? Are you focused on your culture and your core values? If you're doing all those things right, uh, retaining and attracting your talent is is a lot easier. And if you were that talent, is, is now still a good time? Want to be in logistics to look for a job? We still have some leverage around here. It sounds like we do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're seeing right layoffs happen, I think, in some of the tech environments. But from a logistics perspective, we have more job openings than job seekers right now. So, you know, if you're looking to make a move or move up within the industry uh, now, now couldn't be a better time. I think we continue to see some of those gaps as we think about succession planning and, you know, who's who's ready and who's available to take that next level. Um, we're all kind of experiencing that within the industry. So now couldn't be a better time to get involved. Now, yeah. Angela, before we let you go, we get to ask you our stupid question of the day. What would break <laughs> your heart if your puppy chewed it up? Well, I have three puppies and one in particular, well, he's not even a puppy. He's a five-year-old. He chews up everything around my house on a regular basis when we're not here. So um, good question. What would I be most upset by? Um, Probably an item that, you know, a family member is given. I have a grandma that that has put together this ridiculous bunny that I put on a shelf, which I have no idea why, but it's it's made from all these different clothing materials um, that she had right growing up. So probably something meaningful like that. I mean, everything else can pretty much be replaced, right? It's some of those special things that maybe you get from somebody that are a little bit more meaningful. Yeah, and with three dogs, she's a veteran of the the puppy game. Well, she knows now how to keep them away. Yeah, a smart question before we let you go. People who want to join the logistics industry and they want to do it through AIT, where should I send them to? Yeah, uh, our career site at AIT Worldwide slash uh, Career Openings. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back on. We appreciate it. Awesome. No one who's no one's making big changes in the world, and you know who might be helping out some people in this hurricane too. Like. If I got freight stuck in Florida, I might want to know where it is. Yeah. Yesterday, I want to know where it is now during the storm, and I want to know where it ends up tomorrow with all this flooding and everything. It is Krenar Komani, CEO and founder over at Tive, and he's here with us again. Welcome back to the show, Krenar. Hey, nice seeing you guys. How you guys doing? Doing good. You're not. Uh, you're in Boston right now. Or you're not in Florida, are you? 
Always in Boston. Almost always in Boston. Yeah, I'm in Boston. No snow. No but we're snow. Got, I think this is probably going to be the last time in this office. We're going to be moved to a new office in next month. Oh, wow. Ooh, nice. Congratulations. But still Boston. Still Boston. Where about? Where, where are you moving over to? Uh, it's not far away, actually. Like five minutes away. You'll see. I don't know if you ever drive, drive into Boston or you drive sure. in 93. There's this Hood Park. You see like a smokestack where Hood used to be or still is. Yeah, there's a really nice office complex right there. We'll be there. Oh, beautiful. Oh, sweet. I yeah. actually know where that is, which is odd. Yeah. Well, the big <laughs> there like we 90, go. <laughs> 93 entering Boston, like the big iconic thing, too, is like the big gas tank. There's this big yeah. gas tank there with this like, white splash yeah. of color. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, hey, it was awesome talk. to hear, by the way, Angela, talk about culture. It's super cool. Oh, yeah? Why, is the culture over at Tive good? I, I saw Richie the other day at a party over here. He was doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's doing great. Yeah, culture, culture is amazing. I tell people one thing, which is pretty simple. I, I, people ask me, what about culture at Tive? What about culture at Tive? I say there's only one thing that's really important is authenticity. I want the same Duner, the same Mike that's there. I want the truck with the family, with the kids, with, uh, with their parents, the same person at Tive, and that's what that's what our culture is. And everybody here is the the same person they are at work, the same person they are at life, and it's really easy to work with everybody. Well, your culture is also to make great new products. And right now, you're dealing with that cold chain space, and I think you yeah. might have a new suite or portfolio of visibility tools you want to tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I started the company in 2015, I wanted to get into pharma industry. And as I was going to speak with really large pharma companies, I would do some test here, test there. It's really difficult to penetrate the pharma industry. And one of the reasons why I realized it just requires a lot of regulations and raw quality Mm. control. And it took us seven years to get to where we are today. And one of the things that the pharma needs is for you to be able to cover all the temperature ranges that they have. So pharma doesn't just ship at zero degrees or 32 Fahrenheit, um, 8 degrees Celsius. They also ship at negative 100, negative 80, negative 200 Celsius if you look at cryogenic temperatures and dry ice temperatures. So to be able to support that, what we've done is we've created, obviously we have the Solo 5G tracker, which is great, but this only goes down to negative 30, 25, negative 30 Celsius, and after that it breaks down because there's chips, there's components. But what we've done is we released this thing, which is a probe, and all you do is connect it right there. And now you can take the probe right here and it's fully calibrated. It's, it has a three NIST certified cal- uh, point uh, traceable calibration, which is really important for pharma. We've also passed 21 CFR part 11, which is really an, uh, important for pharma, which is an FDA requirement and we need to be compliant with it. And we've also just passed SOC 2 type 2, which is on security and ISO 27001. These are all things that had to be done and took us years. It's not like a week or two weeks thing. It takes years to get here. But all you do, you take this now, you, you put this outside, and you can put this on a, on a tank. Or if there's dry ice or cryogenic mm. or liquid mm. nitrogen, you'll be able to measure temperatures down to negative 200 Celsius, which is really cool. And a lot of customers are looking for this. We have many customers that signed up for our pilot program. They loved it. Now we're releasing in production uh, starting next week. I would imagine that that uh, would be incredibly useful uh, during a hurricane and in the aftermath, especially in a place like a Florida and where it's coming on shore, where there's so much health care there that is critical for that population, being an older cop population in a retirement area, right? 
Potentially, right? If it's biologics or there's vaccine type of things that are being shipped, what's yeah. happened when situations like that happen is usually you're putting temperature monitors that are not real time. And you have the probe, you're measuring it. But if something like a hurricane happens, do you really know that it's dry ice is holding up good? That like it's been two days, three days, four days? Right. You don't. So what you do is now you can get that information in real time, which is really cool. Yeah. Well, how do they, so how, do, when you do this thing, and I know we've covered the tie, but people who are just seeing this for the first time, they're in cold chain. How do they see these alerts? Like where, what's on the other end of, uh, of the device? Uh, yeah. So on the other end is platform.tive.com where they go in and log in and they can see everything about the shipment. They can see the location of the shipment. They can see the temperature of the actual device, this one, but also the temperature of the probe. Oh. They can set up alerts. So if it goes above negative uh, um, a particular temperature that they need, then it gets a, you get a trigger. You can get a text message. You can get an email. You can get alert. We have a 24-7 monitoring team that can watch those shipments for you. On top of that, you get to see um, the there's a light sensor here. And if there's a package that you have it closed up, if somebody opened it, you'll be able to know where that happened. So there's a lot more information than just location and temperature. Well, no, and that's if the opening package is good, too. Again, we're talking about pharma here, stuff people have to put in their bodies, things that could be potentially tampered yeah, with absolutely. Uh, in many different ways here. Uh, how much do you do? You, I don't know if you have a number on this, but do you know how much that industry is hurt by poor visibility on temperature control in terms of like not knowing when reefers break down yeah, yeah, and all yeah, these yeah. different kind of events that can happen? I know from the studies that have been done, and every time there's a like a yearly or, or by annually there's a big study that comes out. I know it's in tens of billions of dollars. Last time I checked, it was thirty plus billion dollars that of pharmaceuticals are affected by temperature excursions. So what happens if there's something that sits on a tarmac and it's 120 degrees Fahrenheit, and it sits there for five minutes? Maybe it's okay, right? But if it sits for an hour, two hours. Then you have a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand, five hundred thousand million dollar worth of shipment that you have to throw away. And pharma is not inexpensive, right? These are very expensive products. So it's in multi-billion dollar uh, losses that happen based on uh, the studies that have been done out there. However, the way that today pharma, the, the FDA requires everything to be temperature controlled. So the good news yeah. is those drugs are not going into patients' body because they have the logger, they have the data but it's not being monitored in real time. And there's a big shift that's happening in 2023, 2024, that's gonna happen. The pharma companies are moving towards real time data and they're looking for companies that can do this, cover this entire range of temperature and have all those validations that I mentioned. ISO, CFR, three NIST, uh, NIST three point calibrations, all of that, which take, like I said, it's not months, it's sometimes years. So, Kernar, how, how important is it and what is the negative impacts of not having that history? If it ships at a certain temperature and it gets there at a certain temperature, isn't that good enough? Or do you have to be able to prove that no other events have occurred during that transition? You, ha you have to prove it. That's why they, when they ship, they put a temperature log on every single pharmaceutical. That's temperature sensitive, of course, right? Yeah. And they, at the end of the shipment, they look at it, they plug it into a computer today, they look at the graph to make sure everything was fine to be able to approve that drug that can be administered, that can be used in the hospital or everywhere else. Wow. Well, so hey, that's very important. But today it's all happening after the fact. The yeah. other crazy part, which is unnoticeable, all this data, right? All these loggers generate so much data. But what happens is they look at it, maybe it's okay, and they throw it in trash or they don't 
measure it. They don't take it to the cloud to do analysis and see what lanes, what routes work, what, uh, what happened throughout the year, how the weather affected things. This data now is going to be always in the cloud, which is really exciting. Well, people who are excited about this, they want to check it out. Where do we send them to? Tive.com. There's going to be a big press release, knock on wood, tomorrow. <laughs> They'll be able to see uh, all the things that are there, but Tive.com. And I think under products uh, or solutions, I believe, then you'll go just to pharma and you'll be able to see this product. All right. And hey, stupid question of the day. What would break your heart <laughs> if your puppy chewed it up? <laughs> I don't have a puppy, but I was thinking about it when you asked uh, Angela earlier. I think my son and daughter sometimes draw like little things with hearts and put dad there. If they chewed those, I would, uh, I would break my heart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Hey, well, thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for your time today. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the show and best of luck with the temperature tracker and uh, for the farm industry. Take care, sir. Thank you so much. Great seeing you guys. You too. Thanks, Krenna. Hey, hey. Team Tough Truckers stuff. are here. Rooster and Super Trucker. Not to go out. Are they Tyra, really? Not to. Oh. <laughs> not to go out Tyra Banks, but Super Trucker, I must say, your neck looks very nice today. <laughs> oh, thank you. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even see it. It's rather hairy. I was just, that was like controversial. Go like over my shoulder. Did you hear Tyra Banks told some contestant that they had a nice neck? And now, like, for like Dancing with the Stars fans were like up in arms. They said it was really creepy. Nah, it's not something I watch. No, no that's not something follow I, that. Rooster. I, I can understand it though. She's a little creepy. Yeah, I don't know. If Tyra ba- Rooster, if Tyra Banks complimented your neck, what would you do? I... Live in fear. Wow. <laughs> there <right>. you go. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, you guys, hey, you two have been driving for a long time before you came over to the dark side over here. Um, big hurricane coming through. You guys familiar with those female loads? Have you driven through hurricanes before? Rooster, what do truck drivers, truck drivers specifically, guys out there running, what do they need to know about what's going down in Florida? Uh, number one thing, probably be watching out for wind speed. I mean, you know, you get 35, 45 mile per hour winds, you have, that's the bottom scale of, ro- of rollover potential. Mm. Uh, you know, watching out for low level flooding, you don't want the water to give, get above the axle axle hubs you know you get water infiltration in mixed with that grease and you know it just uh ruins the bearings you got to have all your axles pulled pulled apart and resealed and repacked it's uh you know the drivers will go down there and they'll you know they'll get their feet wet and there's a lot out there that's not afraid of it but you know you just got to be careful what you're doing what you're walking into yeah. Should you like prep? Should you stock up bottled water in your truck? Bring like a couple days food, like bring extra clothing. I, I don't know. Uh, bring a shovel. They said they need shovels. Like what, what, what should you do as the driver to prepare? Make sure you have in the truck. If you're going into the danger zone. Uh, well, basically what you said, bring extra water, bring non-perishable food, yeah. uh, adult diapers, bring plenty no. of, well, <laughs> plenty of dry clothes, uh, actually hand warmers and foot warmers are real good in case you, you know, your hands and feet get wet. You can, you know, try to heat them up, dry them out, Ooh. uh, extra batteries, extra lighting. Yeah. You, you know, you're going to be parking in probably a pitch black location. So you're going to, you know, maybe some, uh, fuse these road flares. They're legal in the area. Uh, if not, those battery operated, uh, flashing lights, you, you can magnetically mount to the trailer or the truck, uh, you know, just, uh, 
general survival items, basically, also. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, Justin, what are some of the other things that uh, drivers need to be looking out for in this type of situation? Maybe they're taking FEMA loads for the first time or taking supplies on there for the first time. Are there other things they should be looking out for, pay cycles, that type of stuff? Um, even though you're exempt from a lot of the weight restrictions, still pay attention to that. You know, if you break something, it's still on your head for it. Mm-hmm. That's so like, what would you break? Like, what do you mean by break something? If you're going over a small bridge and there's a weight limit capacity on the oh, bridge. Oh, like, okay, I got oh okay. Yeah, yeah I got you. Got you. All right. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're hauling 80,000 pounds of, of bottled water on your trailer. You know, you're still going to break some stuff going over these uh, small country roads. You, you ever get trapped out in a storm? You're, I mean, you're, you weren't going like over the road really that far, but like you ever get stuck in a, you know, you get those nor'easters up in Philly. No, not with hurricanes. I made it a point to like get as far away from that as possible when I got into truck driving. So my <laughs> st- typical storms was always like, you know, winter driving. And for me, it's just, you know, if you don't feel safe, park it. Well, Rooster says it's because you USPS guys are, are soft. Is that true, Rooster? Like <laughs> you, you drive into the eye of the hurricane, don't you? The mouth of bed in the eyes. Uh, uh, not through the eye of the hurricane. <laughs> I've skirted around the sides of them, but yeah, it's... Uh, you have to be real careful what you're doing because you can you know, find yourself being uh, the blue skies and sunny when you start off driving. And, you know, a couple hours later, you're in uh, torrential downpours, uh, high winds, the zero visibility. It, it could just go downhill from there. What about fuel? Uh, how are the are, are the stations holding up or most of them online? Or, um, do you have to carry extra fuel with you? Do you need reserve fuel? That seems like it'd be hard to do for a semi anyway. But um what about that? What's the fueling situation? Uh, well, basically, if, as long as they got power, they should be all right. Uh, you want to pay attention. And if uh, floodwaters have been in the area, what about fuel stations been that, you know, uh, so oh, no, I mean, right now, know, like rooster right now, what are, what's, what are the stations like right now? Uh, checked on uh, over friends, a gas buddy earlier, you know, some of the areas hit, you know, Tampa, those areas, you know, they're, uh, currently power off uh, some of the areas further north uh wildwood ocala they're uh, they're still up and going but you know a lot of i-75 is shut down from uh basically the florida turnpike ramp all the way down through tampa and around alligator alley all the way at the miami so th- that there's a good point. Download the gas buddy app right if you're a driver out there download that app if you're going to be out in that area keep an eye out for yeah outages like we said some waffle houses are closed so to some people like fema that's a sign of the apocalypse so just be mindful of that <laughs> um while you're stuck if, if you get stuck yeah. in the middle of this hurricane you want to listen to something new you've already listened to this episode of what the truck why don't you go and listen to the new episode of back the truck up especially for your driver because in it i think you two just sat down together right and you sort of hashed out as a driver how you go out there how you sort of build a career and you get some value for yourself tell us a little bit about what the discussion went into rooster uh, basically it was just, you know, we're at the end of driver appreciation month. So we want to do something for the drivers. So Justin and I basically sat down and, uh, went through the, the basic steps of how to find a good driving school, how to use resources to find the best pay, best sign on bonuses to, you know, a shout out the, uh, freight waves ratings team for putting up that s- stuff for us. Uh, also, uh, you know, just how to, evolve your career as you go, you know, try to find uh, the best accounts to work on, you know, some dedicated accounts are better than others. Uh, what to run, you know, do you want to run refrigerate? Do you want to run LTL? I've 
cattle hauling apparently is you know paying real big out west if you know if you want to if you can handle that lifestyle and you know the you feel like a 12 year old on a farm though to run cattle uh not necessarily you know uh bull haulers you know some laws you could run start pop you know, driving a truck around a farm at 18 you know but you know go cross country with bulls you know you need to be 21 full cdl and all that good stuff you know you're running six seven hundred miles as hard as fast as you can you know try to keep the the i guess what we call in the farm industry the waste weight from coming off the cows you know well, Justin, what was your waste <laughs> weight? Hey, you're it's a real thing. What was Justin? Your best piece of advice was other than uh, keep your nose closed. You know, when you're going through the waste weight, uh, <laughs> what was your piece of advice here? What's the best piece of advice you think you gave out on that episode? Talk to other drivers. You know, if you see companies advertising everywhere, but you don't, if you can't find any drivers that used to work for them or currently work for them, they're probably not a good company to work for. Mm. God. Should you take it with a grain of salt? There's some bitter drivers out there who will talk crap about every single company they leave. Mm. So should you keep no, that, that in mind? That, too? Is, <laughs> that is a good point too. Um, you know, but if you're, if you're finding more good things, drivers are saying about the companies than bad, you know, that's, yeah. that's probably not a bad place to, uh, to go with. Yeah. And especially as Rooster said earlier, if it fits into some of that criteria, what you want to run. And as you yeah. get familiar, um, would you starting out though, would you recommend doing more like freight, all kinds, more general type of freight before trying to get into some specialized or not necessarily go where the oppor- or just go where the opportunity is? I would, if, if I had to like redo my career over again, knowing what I know now, get hired on with a mega carrier and mm. get dedicated ASAP. So many guys are not just quitting and going to other companies, but quitting the industry period because the lifestyle isn't what they're accustomed to. And mm. if you can find something that's dedicated, you can at least plan your life ahead easier than you could running general freight because now you you know how much money you're going to be bringing every week you know you're you typically know your home time more than you would uh running general freight yeah so to duner's point can you get siloed as a driver if you go into a particular like if you're calling uh cars or something like that or is there one where they go well if they can do that they can do anything uh yeah sometimes that happens with the drivers themselves you know you get in a company where you get comfortable where you're at and even with the numbers that they were throwing out last year from other companies, you know, it might, it might be paying more, but you know, the work's going to be a lot harder. So, you know, that's, that's something you got to decide for yourself. You know, do you want to stay where you're at? It's the devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't know. You know, it's you funny. Know, you can make more money, but you're, you're working a lot harder for that money. Well, right. I mean, what you're saying about when you're starting out, sign on with a mega, that's the same advice I give to people who are looking to be on the desk side. Like I started operations with FedEx trade networks and they had great training, all these things. And I thought that stuff was like table stakes. Then I went to a smaller company afterwards and I realized that none of that training exists. None of those support and infrastructure yeah. that FedEx has exists. Mm-hmm. And in logistics, a lot of times the trucker or on the broker side, if you go to some of those smaller companies, you might find yourself in a position where like you don't really know what you're doing and the training's not there. People don't have time for you. So I would agree in logistics. A lot of times it may be better off to just, you know, salary may not be the biggest, but you're going to get the most important thing, which means you're going to get paid or you're going to get educated and figure out what you want to do with the, uh, with the career. You might Absolutely. not want to be a, you might not want to be a port trucker though. Let's take a look at this video right here. Rooster, tell us what we're looking at. Yeah, this is outside of port of Newark and, uh, for what we found out, it was a longshoreman and a little bit too much for her to get home. And well, he, as you saw, he tried to pass the the truck right there trying to shoot the gap, and it didn't work out too well for the guy. Uh, the front end of the truck got ripped off, and that's the truck that you know he scraped up against, wound up rolling over, and oh wow, you know, oh that's yeah, the aftermath. That's 
So, so yeah. he, oh, he see, hit it see, on the back corner. He almost like he like reversed pit moved that uh, container. Yeah, well, the guy was trying to try to get over to the right lane, try to avoid him, but he wound up scraping him. And well, you know, uh, containers are very top heavy, and so and when they get you make a hard turn with a container, it could roll over real easy. So, uh, you know, luckily, uh, fire ambulance EMTs were there real quick to the situation. It didn't take them long to get the driver out and get everything uh, cleaned up and road back going. Why did he go so wide? Why did he? Why was he in the left lane? I don't understand. You don't need to go three lanes over to make a lane change. Well, it's a jacked up truck, wide base, you know, and yet somebody really doesn't know how to handle those trucks at high speeds. And, you know, he just uh, overcompensates and. Yeah, he lost wham. control. Huh. He's driving with his arm out the window. That tells you everything. Did wow. he lose his arm? Hey, he I still had all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh. he's, he's still got his arm, but, you know. Oh. <laughs> oh, do you guys, like? can you guys fight over that? Do you guys fight over the flip-flops and the, the arm out the window and that kind of thing? Truckers can be pretty particular. If I'm driving long haul, I've always been team flip-flops, but once you're stopped and you're going <laughs> in the warehouse, you got to change your shoes. Hey, you know, I, yeah. I'm a Florida man myself, so I, you know, I drove 10 years wearing flip-flops. Hey, let's take a look at a video right here. This is a dog driving a Tesla. Justin... Roll the video. This is a dog driving oh, a Tesla. Justin, you think this is um, sure there's nobody this is staged? Dog. This has to be staged, right? Was the dog wearing flip-flops? I, do, I don't know. Well, the dog, <laughs> is it okay for the dog to wear flip-flops? He doesn't have to touch the pedals in that Tesla. That's crazy. Who knows with these videos these is days? You know, it doesn't look like there's somebody hiding in the backseat. They could have like a sheet on them. I, I, this just seems like an inside job, like especially if you listen to the tone in their voices. Yeah, they're a little too hype. A lot of times with these guys, what they do to trick the self-driving in the cars is they have to have something attached to the steering wheel. Otherwise, the car, you know, kicks itself out of self-driving. But I don't see anything attached to the steering wheel. Yeah, I don't either. I think there just might be a guy under there under, like, uh, a sheet or something. Rooster, what about other hoaxes? The Tesla Semi, is that a hoax? We just saw some some photos out of uh, Tesla, Kentucky. Who is this guy? Tesla owners of Kentucky showing um, some semis moving. Elon did say, like, what, a couple weeks ago, 2022 20, deliveries for the semi. What do you think? Pay pay real close attention to that bottom left-hand photo, the the gravel that's around the headlight lens. Yeah, what's I going on there? Did some dig- I did some digging on that. Apparently, they, if they took this Tesla out to a test track, and we're testing it for uh, how it how it be it would behave in a uh, runoff ramp situation. So that's how the gravel got wound up jammed up in in the around the headlight lens, and there's a some of it there right below the Tesla emblem. If you the Tesla badge there on the 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 front or whatever you want to call that, either you know. Oh, there absolutely is. I didn't even notice that when I was looking at that. Okay. Wow. Yeah, hey, it is. It's Sherlock. Strange look, but hey, they're getting testing on there. What do you think? You think the deliveries in 2022 are happening on these semis? Maybe a couple? Mm, a couple, yeah. I, I'll definitely put money on couple. I don't know if we'll see a full production. Is Pepsi Maybe. getting these? Like, it, well, Pepsi was supposed to get them last year uh, around this time. Yeah, they, got the, they got the hyperchargers installed, but that didn't. I don't know if they got one brought down to them. I've heard something they had one, but you know uh, they're supposed to have what of uh, like ten or more brought to them. But you're know, gonna have to track down that guy who's gonna eat his shoe. Interesting. Well, hey Justin, uh, before we let you go, rate the strap work here. Let's take a look at this truck with all these couches and everything on here. I don't think this is going anywhere. Show that picture. It's the last one. Truck with all crap on it. Yeah, Justin, what do you give that? <laughs> well, uh, 
100 out of 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anything's moving on that. What do you think, Rooster? I don't think anything's moving. Where's the classic theme song, man? I mean, that's what I, that's all I can think of when I he see must, it. He must have won the lottery, man. <laughs> They're just out to Beverly Hills because they got to leave Florida. Hey, stay safe here in Florida right now. Guys, thanks for joining us. Go to backtotruckup.com. Uh, listen to new podcasts. See all the new articles. Find me on, on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Go to Back the Truck, Rooster BTU. Don't be a stranger. Tell me how to be. Peace and love. Spread it everywhere.